What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. It's summer, which means one thing. It's time to drink a lot of beer. Uh, well, actually, I mean, we said the same thing in the winter, and we'll say it again in the fall. But anyway, don't let that distract you from today's episode featuring Dave Bracey and Ed Bailey. They're two comedians from Pittsburgh, PA, who host Drinking Partners, a podcast about craft beer culture. They're also two of the minds behind Fresh Fest, the nation's first black beer festival. They're going to come on to talk about this year's digital version of Fresh Fest, why you shouldn't miss it, and how increasing inclusivity in beer is making the brewing world a much more interesting place, but also why we all still have a long way to go. First up, we have noted friend of Thrillist, Zach Mack. He owns ABC Beer Co. in New York City. He's also a beer writer and certified Cicerone. He's going to come on to lay out his picks for the best beers to drink this summer, 2020. I think we all could use a drink, so here's our call. All right, what is up, Zach? How are you? I'm good, Will. How are you doing? I'm good. It's so good to hear your voice. It's been so long. I know. I feel like a lot has, a lot has changed since the last time we actually spoke like this. <laughs> that's definitely true. A lot has changed. I, some would say <laughs> everything has changed. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so first, I have to ask you about your bar, ABC Beer Coat, in the East Village in Manhattan. Uh, what is your status as of right now, the week of you know June 29th? Well, talking about a lot changing, I mean, since the last time we spoke, we were, you know, that was back in March when we were just transitioning over from closing down the bar side and focusing on our retail. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw an incredibly good response from our community on that. We, I feel very happy that uh, everyone was, you know, was, was as welcoming to us as they were. We picked up more groceries and things like that. And that's something we've carried on for the last few months. And then uh, New York City was able to enter phase two of reopening a couple of weeks ago, which you know, notably was, was a big deal because now we can offer some kind of outdoor seating. Yeah. Um, so we were, we went, we didn't jump right on it because we wanted to make sure we were doing everything safely. We wanted our employees to feel like they could still come to work and, and, and not feel like they're putting themselves in danger. That's been mm-hmm. our top priority since the beginning of this whole thing. So we've been slowly rolling out the outdoor seating thing with their input and changing things as we go to make sure that no one feels, we're not endangering anybody, our customers or our staff. So um, basically now we have a little bit of outdoor sitting on the, on the street. We, we've seen with so many other places in Manhattan and we've opened up our back garden, um, all socially distanced and responsible in terms of, of making sure that people who are coming to, to drink with us are doing so responsibly. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still selling our, our drinks to go and things like that. People seem to be just as into that as, you know, needing to take a table at a restaurant or anything like that. So it feels good that we've been able to, to kind of hit this good weather and let, let some people kind of stay responsibly drink outdoors and kind of enjoy themselves a little bit. Yeah. And that's great. And, you know, congratulations to you for coming back. I'm glad to hear it. And, uh, you know, with the outdoor seating, I kind of hope it sticks. It's very Parisian in a way. It feels, I'm going to say it feels incredibly European. <laughs> yeah, that's does. what everyone says. It reminds me of Montreal where I went to college where in the summertime they just, you know, people just assume that the bars are going to push out into the street a bit. And, you know, along with owning ABC Beer Co., you're also a Cicerone. Am I saying that right? You got it. You're getting better with this every time. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's Cicerone. a joke. I, I don't know what to say. Whatever. Can you just, uh, for people <laughs> that haven't heard previous episodes and don't know that inside joke, can you uh, explain what a Cicerone is basically? Yeah, so a very complicated uh, pronunciation of that word is is just the beginning of it. Uh, Cicerone is basically a certified uh, beer expert, similar to a sommelier for wine. So essentially, we take an exam and then we have all of the background on service and style history and beer treatment, everything like that, and kind of just can 
run our mouths once you've passed this very hard exam. Well, that's exactly what we need. And I do want to talk about summer beers. I guess my question for you right up front is, what makes a great summer beer in your mind, aside from being able to drink it outside, maybe on the patio of ABC Beer Co., for example? <laughs> well, honestly, every year when I get to do these these like lists, people always want these recommendations. And I honestly say that the best summer beer is the one that's cold and at hand and mm-hmm. something that you want to drink. I think more than any other month of the year or any other season of the year, summer is when you want beer most. Um, having said that, I think the perfect summer beers are basically, if you're going to do a little research into it, most people, when they close their eyes and think of something that they open on a on a hot day, it's going to be something of the variety of Pilsner uh, or like a nice light lager. But that doesn't mean that the only summer beers you can drink are are pale and crisp or crispy boy, as we like that you know, as you and I like to call them. I do. I like um, those crispy boys. Yeah, I think a lot of me like I, I start veering more towards the. I like my, my bright citrusy IPAs more this time of year than I do in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, those are something that are made year round, but I feel like they just go really well right now. So if you're looking to maybe bridge into the IPA world, finally, like if you're one of those rare holdouts, now is a great time to do it. But I also really find that this is a good time of year for some of the lighter Belgian styles that are starting to get more play okay. with different breweries. So finding some of these light farmhouse ales or lighter saisons that, that tend to go really nicely with a lot of like summer food. Uh, but also feel really, really good and refreshing without being completely one note. There's a lot going on, but not too much. And they're they're just kind of a good accompaniment to summer activity. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. And you know what? You'd be proud of me, Zach. I, during the pandemic, I've actually been drinking a lot more craft beer. Um, there are two bars. I'm pr- I am me. proud of yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much. I knew you would be. <laughs> um, in South Brooklyn, Beer Wax on Vanderbilt and um, Gold Star. Hands down, one of my favorite bars. Oh. Two of my two favorite of bars on the planet, not yeah. just Brooklyn. They're I, amazing. I love those guys. Incredible. Beer Wax is one of those places I miss going to so much because of the environment created with the, with the records and stuff. It's honestly just one of the best bars. You know, I have to call out one brewery specifically that I've been drinking a lot that I feel like hits that so well is Finback from Brooklyn. Love them. Uh, forever. Those guys, I was going to say, my, one of my favorite summer beers just got word is about to be dropped. Uh, by them but yeah they really honestly new york city has been super lucky to be blessed with so many good breweries but finback really ranks at the top for me justin and the adventurousness of what they do mm-hmm. on paper it looks like something that you'd be terrified to try and then roundly everyone i put it in front of and they try it everyone loves it they're for as adventurous as they are they're incredibly approachable first off they're a good couple of guys they're they're great to work with and, and they are very they add a lot to the New York beer scene in general, but this, you know, their their stuff is completely, like you said, it's very approachable and it's really eye-openingly good. Yeah, do you have a favorite, if someone was looking to snag a can um, or a few cans from Finback, do you have one that you'd recommend, especially for summertime? I think because they've actually expanded their distribution fin- uh, their distribu- distribution footprint because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you can actually get a decent amount of their rarer stuff. So I, my first... Uh, my first bit of advice to anyone shopping for stuff like that in general is to check the date on the can mm-hmm. um, because their their stuff is coming through in small quantities and that keeps it fresh. So there's a, always a really good chance when you see their stuff on the shelf, you'll you'll see that it was made in the last like couple of weeks and that's ideal. Um, but honestly, they're, um, the, the beer that I got really excited about coming out is this one they do called Smooth Beats Miami, which is a collaboration beer with a brewery down in Miami called Jay Wakefield. Okay, And it's, uh, bear with me. It's a coconut IPA Ooh. that 
for it's like it's not overbearing it's not cloyingly sweet at all it's just you take a sip you get this deliciously refreshing juicy ipa that has notes of coconut on the aftertaste kind of like when you breathe after and it is just like vacation in a can and i love it so much as far as specific breweries and summer beers do you have anything else that you would uh you know like you said like now that distribution is a little open and people around the country can uh maybe order some of these beers they didn't have access to before what are some other beers uh that that you're personally drinking this summer again i i'm pushing people in this case to maybe try to find some of lo- some of the local options that you might not have had easy access to before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Go and support them and pick up stuff, uh, the styles that you know that you like. Maybe this is a brewery you've been meaning to try. Like, make this your excuse to pack up for your weekend, you know, your weekend out at the lake or the beach and, and support these local breweries. Oxbow has just dropped um, a, a new Hellas that I'm absolutely uh, head over heels for it's uh Hellas is a light lager. Okay. Basically a German version of uh, of like a, a light lager. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of that. East Brother, uh brewery out of California makes a fantastic Bohemian Pilsner. Uh if you're on the West Coast and you're looking for something that's just easy, straightforward and, and good to drink on a hot day. Um I'm a big big fan. I spend a lot of time down in Florida uh yeah. when things are normal. Uh, my girlfriend is uh from Tampa Bay area. So we uh we always make it a part of our every every trip down. We have to spend at least one afternoon at Green Bench out in St. Petersburg. Uh, they have a bunch of beers to work with. Honestly, you can't go wrong on the entire lineup. But uh, the postcard pills that they make is the, pretty much the first beer I order whenever I touch down in the Tampa area. So uh, if you're if you're lucky enough to be in their distribution footprint, definitely pick up Green Bench. Very much worth supporting. Um, and Union Craft Brewing in uh, Baltimore. Okay. Uh, yeah. Further down the east coast. Yeah, they they make some stuff that I'm absolutely head over heels for. Um, like I love Duck Pin. Like they're, if you want a nice light IPA, you can get some really really good beers from them. That uh, you know they're relatively easy to find uh, in the in the Mid Atlantic area around DC. So uh, I highly recommend uh, checking out some of their stuff as well. But again, um, there's no right or wrong with it. Would you say porters, stouts, things that maybe are traditionally viewed as winter beers? Do you like to drink those in the summer? Are there any that you like to drink oh, in the summer? Does that make someone I weird we if you're doing to... that? No. <laughs> um, I think there is people who tell you you can't drink dark beer in the summer don't realize that dark beer is refreshing and super light and such a good change up, especially if you're eating barbecue. Um, sometimes the only really good thing to go with something off the grill is a darker beer. And this actually last year has coincided with the biggest uptick in one of my favorite styles of beer called Schwartz beer which is uh, basically a light German style, light German lager um, that is just dark, dark in color, but incredibly light in body. I think we're really miseducated in this country to assume that any dark beer has to be like molasses, super, super thick. And that's, you know, that's just not the case. Actually, a lot of uh, stouts and dry Irish stouts uh, importers typically come out lower alcohol, lower carbs, lower sugar, just because of the way they're made. So uh, once people start experiencing that for themselves, they change their mind, but you have to do a lot of education and legwork to get people to believe that, it's worth cracking a, you know, a darker beer on a 85 degree day. Cause I, I promise you it's just as refreshing as it is in the winter, sometimes even more so. So, um, the Schwartz beer has had a, a hell of a year. Actually, I joke with brewers around here a lot that, um, this is the year of the Schwartz beer and that everyone is releasing a, a dark lager now. So, um, it's hard to come up with a couple by name. The, the, the gold standard that most people, if they've tried one is a beer from Germany called Kostritze. And it's really easy to find, and it's a good, it's a kind of the gold standard of the style as it is. But there's also a good chance if you walk into some of your local breweries and you ask them for a uh, Schwartz beer or a dark lager, 
are going to be able to point you to something because everyone's trying it out now. I think it's part of the, the a segment that hasn't been explored enough. So brewers are really, really antsy to, to try something new that can set them apart from a sea of hazy IPAs. Mm. So I would highly recommend going out there or asking just, you know, keeping your eyes peeled. A lot of people put out really, really nice stouts uh, year round that are, you know, perfectly drinkable in warm weather um, and are, like I said, really, really good accompaniments for barbecue food or traditionally what summer food is. So um, I think you're not crazy, Will. We both like to drink dark beer all year round. Iced coffee in January. Nothing means that. Well, first off, time doesn't even mean anything anymore. That's true. So and we're inside, so it, you know, whatever. Um, your German is great, by the way. You speak German, or was that just? Uh, barely. I took it. I took it in middle school for like a year, but I like the German language. It was just it, it makes me laugh. I like the accent a lot. So I'm yeah. glad you think I have good German. I should speak. I speak French, but that was a- <laughs> okay. You're very worldly. Well, you know, speaking of um, your. Your your learned palate and your worldliness. Do you have a favorite flavor of White Claw before we go? My final question. Well, honestly, I, <laughs> Bring I it think back anyone around. who knows me, if, if you give me three seconds of like any conversation on one of my favorite flavors, raspberry is my favorite flavor ever of anything. So uh, I haven't had that many raspberry White Claws. I'm not going to lie. It's just they don't come my way that much yet. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure that when the opportunity presents itself, but I have to, you know, go and pick up my white claws. It'll probably be raspberry. Do you have a flavor? What's your favorite? I'd go for the mango if if I had all of them in front of me. Mango. I have a problem with the fake mango flavor. I feel like it usually comes across as like kind of sweaty. But I don't know if that's just me. Like personally, I like super sensitive to that flavor. But you know, it does taste very summery and tropical. So I don't blame you. Sweaty. Now you know what I'm going to think about that every time. Not that I drink them a lot, but I'm going to think about that every time now. I might have to <laughs> switch to uh, black cherry. I think that's another one I like. That is, I like black cherry yeah, too. I will one. say that's a good flavor. That's a good standby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have a lot to drink. White Claw and otherwise. Um, always a pleasure to talk to you, Zach. If anyone's in the East Village in Manhattan, definitely stop by ABC Beer Co. Guys are open for business. Phase two. Moving along. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right, man. Thanks again. Have a good afternoon. You too. You too, Will. It was good to talk to you as always. Stay Thanks safe. Too. Yeah, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we will. All right. Later, man. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right, next up, Dave Bracey and Ed Bailey, hosts of the Drinking Partners podcast, two of the organizers behind Pittsburgh's Fresh Fest, the first black beer festival in America. Here's our call. Are you guys in Pittsburgh right now? Yeah, sir. I am in the Poconos. We're in the same state. Well, it's like technically the same state. It's really not. Yeah, it's a whole state. We got different problems. Don't buy a vacation in Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, I've been on vacation in Pittsburgh, first of all, a bunch of times. I was born in Pittsburgh. And I go there back a lot. So are you saying that Eastern PA and Western PA are totally different states? Because I kind of agree with you there. There's a line. Yeah, they are different states. There's a when, you, when you go home, you don't vacation. You just go right. home. Like, that's not, <laughs> you've been on vacation. You didn't vacation to Pittsburgh. You were on PTO. <laughs> no. Your, your location was Pittsburgh. No. I moved away. I was visiting my grandma, but I think that you're right in there. Yeah. There's a line in the middle of Pennsylvania where all the Wawa's turn to sheets. And then you are in Western yeah. Pennsylvania and it's a different, it's a different country. So I found you guys, uh, through your podcast, drinking partners. And I like that 
I like that name a lot because it's like it's a little more formal than having a drinking buddy. It makes it sound like a career, right? Your drinking partner. It's literally friends drinking and experiencing something. So like the experience is the guest. Right. Uh, them talking about what they do, you know, how they got into whatever scene they're in. Oftentimes it's a brewer, uh, how they got in, into brewing, how they got into craft, kind of, you know, cross-reference our journeys, uh, go through, you know, a bevy of beers. Some we're tasting for the first time, some we, we've had before and we're fans, you know, coming into the episode. It's really just friends over drinks talking shit. Yeah, I mean, like, we basically get shit-faced and interview cool people. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we spend a whole hour just, like, cracking jokes and, 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 and slurring our words into a microphone. And sometimes, you know, we're going over the importance of the census um, and, you know, what that means to your local region and gerrymandering and the elections and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I mean, with, uh, you know, there's a couple of comedians you know, drinking the experience and grab beer and the people um, and conversations that come up, you know, around that. Yeah, that sounds a lot like my job, except I usually stay out of politics. Sometimes I don't. But um, the shit face stuff and the talking, you know, definitely right I, on track. I don't know that, but see, I don't even know that we get quote unquote political. I mean, we're humans, we're adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we live in, a, you know, in a society where politics exists. I mean, it's just like adults exploring the variants of being an adult in today's, in today's society. Uh, that's really all it is. But we're drinking the entire time, which is what most people want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we get a little political, like when we have like politicians on, right? And then like, <laughs> absolutely, in our opinion. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to not, you know, cross into some very, you know, some level of politics because, you know, being black in America is controversial in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, we're in a very, you know, white dominated industry and country. So like, if we don't have those conversations, then, you know, we're kind of doing a disservice to ourselves and, you know, the greater community. So um, we didn't start out to be, you know, like this political podcast or whatever, and we're still not a political podcast, but, you know, it's, it's hard not to cross into those topics. In 2015, my old colleague, Dave Infante, wrote an article uh, titled, There Are Almost No Black People Brewing Craft Beer, Here's Why. And I do think the stereotype of the white, doughy dude with a beard and a flannel and a Subaru at the beer festivals is not totally wrong. He wrote that in 2015. Over the past five years, have you seen some step forwards in the black craft beer world and the beer world in general? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, it, it kind of just reflects the overall, I guess, atmosphere right now, right? We, we've always been there. Like, there's always been, you know, African-Americans in craft beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, something like Fresh Fest happens, and now it's like, oh, okay, you know, people can't ignore the effect that we can have on the industry and what it looks like. Um, these groups, you know, we, we have, we're a Facebook groups and shit like, People, there's always been black people who like craft beer. They've been there. There's been craft, black owned craft breweries. They're not, you know, in abundance like white owned craft breweries, but they exist. Um, and a lot of times we just got to like make it, make it intentional to, you know, put a focus on what we, what we provide to an industry. Cause you know, the, a lot of the swag, a lot of, you know, what's going on, that comes from us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we, you know, we're here to take our credit. We, we're here to, we're here to get, you know what I'm saying? We're here to collect our reparations. Yeah, it'd be nice if, um, you know, the next time a Biggie verse like, came across a can, somebody Black Cat paid for it. That'd be dope. You even look at, what, 
25 years ago, someone like Garrett Oliver um, was a brewmaster at Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brewery. It's not like something that has only happened in the past five years, but I feel like in the past five years, right. there definitely has been movement. We're, well, we're starting to, I mean, I think a lot of it is come together in large numbers, right? So you can, you can, you can sit in a corner and, and be talking about what, what the issues are and, you could be validated in what you feel, but you know, a lot of times again, it takes, it takes someone to notice. Honestly, it just takes like, all right, maybe we can make some money with this. Right. So people see it and it's like, all right, so we come together and you get three to 5,000 uh, individuals and largely, you know, most of them traveling. Like we're in Pittsburgh. So it's not like there were 3,000 crab, you know, black crab beer lovers in Pittsburgh, you know, this is from everywhere. People yeah. flying in from California, coming in from Texas, you know, breweries, you know, willing to rally behind what, what's going on and, and there's value to the industry, not just we can make money, but like, all right, there's a consumer base that's been largely ignored. And you're always looking for a new consumer and you come to find out that it already exists and you got to like pay these models attention. Like, yo, this is, it's good for everyone. You totally. know, it's, it's, I think it's a mutually beneficial situation. Yeah, I mean, the, the craft beer industry was, you know, this incestuous marketing like everybody was, you know, is, is marketing to the white bearded dude. And it's like, how many times can you cut that dollar up in the industry? So, you know, what typically happens in most industries is that after, you know, you can't apply the white man, you start to go and find other demographics. And typically, whenever an industry does that, it's predatory. So it's like, you know, let's let's pander to the women. Let's pander to the gays. Let's pander to the class. Let's do what we can to make us seem like we're down um, so that we can get them to consume. Um and what we're trying to do is we see that, we see that wave coming. We see that, you know, the industry is plateauing and it's like, okay, well, you know, um, let's, let's provide opportunity. Um, the, 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 the beauty of the craft beer industry is the community aspect of it. That's what white people love about that shit. It's the variety and flavors. And it's also the fact that you know where your dollars are gone. You know that that, that, that brewery is going to help uplift your community. It's not mm -hmm. just a faceless corporation taking your money and leaving. And, you know, we want that same thing in the black community. We want, you know, black-owned brewery that employs black people and keeps money in the black community. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in the black community, like, you know, for the black community in the craft beer industry, not just, you know, to consume and, and vice versa. I think that there's a lot, of, a lot of opportunity for the craft beer industry to diversify, not only the people who are buying the beer, but the styles and flavors of beer that, you know, that, that are there. I mean, if you only have one type of demographic that's leading, you know, the, the making of a certain product, then it's going to start to look the same after a while. So, you know, we're like, yo, what is, uh, you know, what if, what if you bring in, you know, black influence, you know, cooking and, and cuisine into the art of craft beer? What does that look like? Um, and, uh, you know, Fresh Fest, you saw a lot of what that looked like and uh, the country saw it as well. So, and they, they seem to they seem to really like it. Can you kind of go into how you helped start Fresh Fest and what was the impetus behind it? Uh, so I mean, it, you know, we were we were in this you know, the podcast for years at this point. Um, we uh, invited Mike Potter down to the podcast with him. Found out you know how the scene looked from a national scale, not just from a local scale. I mean, Pittsburgh is white. Comedy is white. Uh, drinking, you know, a, a podcasting is white. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, Southwestern Pennsylvania. I mean, like, so we kind of like we, we we saw like, oh wow, this, this is a pretty, you know, but like we're kind of used to that because we're in this Venn diagram of 
vanilla. Yeah. So, you know, like meeting somebody that had a, a, an understanding and said, yeah, well, I mean, you can go to New York City and still not see a lot of black people in craft breweries. You know, that is like a, a more of a wake up call. Like, okay, well, you know, let, let, let's, let's figure out why, you know, these, these, these are you know, these reasons and, and, and what we can do. Um, and, you know, like there's, you know, the fact that breweries don't open up in black neighborhoods. Um, if they do open up in black neighborhoods, they're soon to be gentrified. So we're not going to be there for very long. Um, you know, the fact that there's, you know, startup costs, um, you know, representation, um, access, you know, people don't, people don't know, you know, they don't have a lot of like family that'll teach, I mean, that just teaches, you know, and passes it down, things of that nature. So like, um, you know, we as entertainers, you know, we're like, all right, well, what can we do? So we, we came up with a, with a festival. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a festival, a festival can, can bring, you know, a lot of these elements to it. It can bring representation by bringing black brewers from across the country together and black drinkers together to be like, oh, well, well I'm not alone. Um, you know, we can, we, we did the collaborations between local breweries and black um, community members so that we can have these conversations so that, you know, we can build these connections. Uh, that whole model of, you know, getting a bunch of beer and sitting around in the parking lot is old and stale as fuck. So um, <laughs> let's, let's do something more than just try to drink as much high ABV beer as we can in a, in a two-hour session. And then what we learned, too, when, when we kind of ventured into it, um, it's basically people didn't dislike craft beer, right? Most of the people that said they didn't like craft beer hadn't even had it. Uh, I think they just, going back to presentation, they just like the aesthetics of, you know, when, when we go into a craft brewery, I don't see anyone like myself. I don't see myself represented. And then when you can bring that to folks and, and they give it a chance and they, you know, like you said, see uh, like-minded individuals who look like themselves uh, enjoying a good time, you know, we were, I guess, uh, fortunate with the weather because anytime you get good weather in Pittsburgh and have an outdoor event, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, just imagine all of that coming together and a lot of the individuals, I mean, there are a lot of craft enthusiasts there, but there are a lot of just regular folks trying to have a good time, trying to be around good people. And for Day and myself, what we what we learned in the craft industry prior to even doing the festival is there are a lot of good people. Um, and we had a lot of value on what we can, we can bring to the table. You talked about, you know, different craft brewers co-opting uh, images of rappers, even their lyrics for their titles and their cans. I mean, how do you guys feel about that stuff? Uh, he's, he's talking about appropriation. Yeah, appropriation is whack. Like if you're if you're putting Biggie lyrics on a on a can it, and nobody black is getting paid for it, like you know, I like it's just it's weird to me. Um, you know, I mean, I guess if you, you know, and, and people like to say like, oh well, you know, it's uh, you know, rap is a you know, it's everybody's culture and it's pop and like you know, I grew up and you know, I listened to this and you know, why can't I celebrate and this that and the other? And it's like if the only thing that you're doing is taking from the culture, then like, you're not like, like, so, okay. So you, what you spent like 10 bucks, 15 bucks on a CD back in the day. Like now you got a brewery and you're selling how many cans of beer off of, off of this dude. Like, like, are you doing anything actively for the black community or are you, did you, did you get a great fucking album from us? And then now you got great lyrics that you can sell more beer from us. Like where's, where's the give back? Like when do you when do you when do you get back to like all right well thank you for the culture here's something like you know what I mean like you that that's not you selling more beer 
with rap labels isn't like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're ending racism. It's not like racists won't buy your, your pity lyrics. <laughs> yeah. It has well, nothing to do with any of that. Like, I mean, it has something to do with you you taking black culture and selling more beer from it and not giving anything back. Dave, do you think that that is where it crosses from being something that's, like, actually positive to what you were kind of saying before about predatory, where it's like they're pandering and just trying to pick up a demographic without actually including a demographic in, in what they're making. I mean, if they're not, if they're not doing any other efforts other than putting the lyrics on there and playing some music in their place, then like, how does that benefit anybody? Like difference between exploitation and inclusion, right? So exploitation would be, I can make a dollar off of this. Inclusion would be, you know, how, how do we, how do we, you know, make, I, I think for the industry, we can make a dollar, but, but here's what they should look at. And, and this is the real thing, like exploitation, right? So you throw a lyric on there and all right, that can sell, that beer sells well, all right, boom. But if you if you really approach it from an inclusion standpoint, now now you're talking about something happening in perpetuity. You're talking about reciprocity. Not just not just, you know, hey, we giving out to, to the, you know, other folks who, who can in, we can invest in who can make a difference, but like it's something that'll be residual, it's something that's gonna happen over and over and over and over again because this demographic will 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 feel spoken to. They'll feel included. Like and that and that's what we're trying to you know, make the industry see, make the world see, like, yo, inclusiveness benefits everyone. There's this, you know, you can be exploitative and, and make a dollar, but why not be inclusive? You'll make more dollars. You'll make it over time and everybody's getting money. Right. And I mean, I think that's important because in my mind, and I am not, I would say I'm the novice level craft beer drinker. I do episodes right like this. You. you like what? <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah, we, we all novices out here, man. We all, we all, we all get my beer from dining. <laughs> Amateur. <laughs> Amateur. Maybe whatever is a notch below novice. Maybe I'm overselling myself. But what I do like about uh, craft beer is that it is a creative process, right? So all of that creativity, I feel like, could work together. It, that's that's kind of what sets it apart from, you know, as much as I love Modelo. They're not, they don't sponsor this, by the way. I'm just drinking it out of my own accord but as much as i love like modello or like budweiser or whatever like you do have a craft beer because it's like creative you're like holy shit i never knew that this this tastes like nothing i've ever had before and i love that yeah i mean it's ideas like you if you never spoke to you know a certain demographic you don't even know what they taste buds are yeah like what you start throwing extra shit in there like you never even thought of like it's just new ideas and you find that you know what these are good ideas and more than just the person that I'm speaking to likes it. You know, you, you may go to a black artist and, and get an idea, but you'll find that that bearded white guy in the flannel, he likes that shit too. Do we even know if Biggie likes hazy IPAs? I, like, I mean, we don't even, we don't even know. We ain't even, nobody asked me. So, like, how was he a part of the creative process? And exploited. I, I don't, I, listen, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think he liked Hazy IPAs. I'm not an expert. I don't, I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, hazies are beautiful things, man. But I don't know. I just. I don't know. I never. Act, I never. Nobody. Nobody ever asked me. Nobody asked his mom. Nobody asked anybody as a state. Nobody was like, "Yo, what's the what's the official flavor of the? I mean, the biggest state. Nobody. Nobody cares. So how the hell was that a part of the creative process? If everything about this is supposed to be the creative process, top to bottom, and then you just stop at the label and just slap some old lazy shit on it. Man, that's half-assed, man. That's, that's that uh, that's that crunchy peanut butter. 
that half-ass done shit. Like, nah, man. Like, you finish the job. Make it, make it creamy. Make it fully creamy. Make that, make that shit smooth. You just, you, you, you quitting halfway through, man. Like, on that note of actually getting more inclusive with who is learning to make beer and who is making beer, I think, I think, Dave, I think you said something about how when, you know, it's not, when you have people of different backgrounds making beer and being interested in beer, you get different results, right? Like, you're you're talking about uh, black-owned breweries that are incorporating, like, black cooking into what they're making, and they're actually coming up with different flavors and different, you know, uh, ways to approach beer have you actually seen that do you have like uh, an example of that actually happening because I, I think that's really interesting i think it's just a testament to no matter what your morality is it's like always better when you have more people in a field when you have people from different backgrounds and different viewpoints yeah i mean so the first year uh butler blue works paired up with dr hollyhood and made ice cream in moscato it was a um it was a vanilla it was a it was a ale with vanilla and muscat grapes um, and it, and it mimicked. So, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Hollywood, she had a, um, song called, uh, ice cream and Moscato and they mimicked the flavors of ice, ice cream and Moscato and beer. It was phenomenal. I had not had anything quite like it before or since. Um, the view, the bottle was beautiful. The presentation, um, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Those are flavors that, you know, she enjoyed. Um, I don't think she was, you know, a big craft beer drinker before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had, um, Support your local artist. Uh, you know, what I mean, Sam Black. She's uh, Jamaican. She made a sangria beer. Um, she loves sangria. Uh, we had Coco Panor. Um, Camille. She made a, a, a for the cookout. It was a barbecue beer. Beer. You know what I mean, like you know, who did who did Claudie? So we had we had Claudie. He's actually a chef. Yeah, in cuisine. Uh, was it, it was it was it was it was it was Claudie with a chance of mango. Claudie with a cha- Claudie with a chance of mango. So a mango beer. He made like a mango chicken. They had a mango beer. I'm trying to think of who we collab with. That was super. Super. Yeah. yeah, they made a mango. They made a mango beer to like go along with it. We had um, we had Honey who designed the label, and she came up with a um, you know, her and Meg came up with a, uh, the the world is the world is yours. Um, it was a a, a mango and like a, a passion fruit uh, brew IPA, and it kind of tasted like a it tasted like a mimosa. Um, and it was one of the best beers at that festival because Definitely I mean, brunch, you know, brunch life is is big and you know, and with, with with black women in the community. So like, you know, you're you're seeing, you know, you're having these conversations with folks that don't feel oh, the oh, the, the, the the velvet henny cake. Oh, it was red velvet henny cake. It was uh, totally favorite. Oh my god! It was trying a, to bring henny to the craft game for, uh, for the entire time we were there. It was it was a baker, and she she you know they they made an old they made a uh, an old ale with like infused with um, red velvet cake and Hennessy, and I mean it was man. Yeah, so Rihanna Jackson or formerly Rihanna Jackson, I think she just got married. But like you 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 bringing everyone's bringing their background. It, it's not just. Oh, I like this flavor. I mean, there's, there's a, like they said earlier, there's a story behind the beer. Mm. There's a real story narrative behind each beer at Fresh Fest because you know people are taking the time. They're, they're putting real thought into it. It's not just a mashing of ingredients. It's not just oh, we saw this here. Let's try something different. It's like yo, you know, would be dope if we had a collard green and ribs. Mm. You know what I mean? Like why yeah. you just said the cocoa producer like for the cookout boom that'll be dope that'll be something that she wants to try that's something that she would like to see 
And when you get people to do that, when you empower them to do that, you'll see that other people will gravitate towards that. Yeah, and you have to have a chance to do what you do. And I think that's like an argument, like whatever whatever your politics are, whatever you think, it's 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 shitty for everyone if everyone doesn't get a chance to do something like make a craft beer, right? Because like if you're you know, I think Day, you were saying it, or I, I think Ed actually you said it before, it was like if you're only catering to one demographic and only one type of person is making this, it's all gonna taste the same and it's not gonna be interesting anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it's wild because, like, yeah, don't get me wrong. The craft beer industry has been doing a, a fantastic job of coming up with all kind of wild-ass beers and flavors and, and, and this, that, and the other. And that's dope. But, like, it's not it's not the same as if you give, you know, if you if you, if, if other people are, are involved. you got to get it from the authentic motherfuckers. And the way that we cook our food, and the way that we pair that up is going to be completely different than, you know, so like the flavor combination, like the shit that you don't even think about, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, them, them Haitians be doing shit with some shit that like, you'd be like, wait, how? Like you would never even think to add those two things together. But if you, if you simmer it in a pot long enough then, and, and, and put your toe in it, then some shit come out. You'd be like, all right, well, I'm with it now. You know what I mean? But like, that's not, but you got to You have to, you have to come from that culture in order to, to, to get there, you know what I mean? So, you know, I think the industry for a long time was searching, everybody was searching for that aha, like, there we go. And there's actually, there's that in just people culture. You know, like instead of searching for that, that quirky combination, how about that unique combination to this industry? Mm. Because those combinations are tried and true. Those flavors are proven. We just haven't seen them in beer. Okay, we need to take a quick break. I'm sorry, but we'll be right back. Yeah, what are you guys drinking this summer? You know, what is your go-to beer? Even pandemic beer, you know, it's been a tough time. Let's call it like it is. What have you been drinking the most of? I'm always I'm always looking at stout as many as I can get um, because they're very scarce this, this season. Um, so, you know, anytime I, I come across a good one, I'm on it, especially a, a good milky stout, uh, milky stout, and, and milky uh, milky sours. Those are uh, those are those are, those are my favorite at the moment. Even in the summer, I'm an IPA the, the, even the milk in the summer, you're you're into that. Yeah, all 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 year all year round, man. My my, my three favorite drinks are milk, beer, and and juice. So if you give me a a, a nice juicy milky IPA, ah, brah. So Ed, what what specific are you drinking? Are you staying local too, or are you um are you ordering stuff? I try to stay local, uh, rotate it. You know, we all have have our favorites. Uh, here in Pittsburgh, we got this strip, this uh, this twenty eight. You know, there's several several hard hitting breweries on uh, Route twenty eight. So you know, I made my rounds there. Um, but yeah, keep it local. Um, you know, the local is really. That's who supported us to begin with, and they opened their doors to us. Uh, so I always, you know, I always support local. Allegash just uh, opened up in Pittsburgh. I mean, they even opened up there, but they're distributing out here. Sure. So, I mean, there's been a little bit more of that. They're actually uh, collaborating with uh, Urban Roots out in uh, San Diego for the festival. Um, so that's been that's been dope having uh, such a 
you know, a, a, a time honored brewery like Allagash. Um, time honored. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Go. I need to add. What's the story with <laughs> With that, um, with I mean, four points. Like right now, man. Like at this point, anytime I can get my hands on some four points, it's been they have not disappointed uh, thus far. So. Um, and they just got a candy line, like, right before Corona hit. So, um, yeah, I mean, they uh, we weren't able to get a lot of their beer beforehand. They're a little, you know, a little too south of the city. Yeah. And, we'll, you know, they weren't distributing or anything like that. But, like, now, whoo, man. Yeah, if I had to drill down on just one brewery and one brew in particular, it'd be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this Kitchhiker Airwave. Uh, and then if I can get a, get my hands on the RGB, that's a little strong. That's what that's you gotta have that Friday, Saturday, RGB. Okay. Yeah. But that airwave, I can I can have on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, it's like one of my favorites. Depends on what kind of Tuesday you want to have, because I mean, lately, you know, what's the difference, right? <laughs> COVID Tuesday, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> different kind of Tuesday. Well, it, it depends on what type of Wednesday morning you want to have. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. What do you hope to see? from black craft beer culture in the next like five years, you know, not just at fresh fest, but just across the country, across the world. Opportunity and consistency therein, you know, diversity is the, the hot, tick, hot ticket item right now, right? Everybody, every corporate structure, every industry right now is finding black people to say, Hey, how do we, how do we increase diversity? Uh, but I want to see that consistent. What does this look like in 2022? Are we still seeking out, you know, those same opportunities for African Americans? Are we seeking out, you know, their influence on the industry? So, opportunity and consistency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hire black people, man. Pay black people. Like, like just, I mean, be more, be more aware of your supply chain. Be more aware of your patronage. Be more aware of your your boards, your your employees, your staff. Be more aware of your life, man. Like, if you only got one black friend, then you like, why? Like, there's a lot of us out here. Like, if you only have one black employee, or, 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 uh, you know, you just, you know, like, you know, like, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be more aware. You gotta diversify, you know, your life, your business, and you know, like, black squares on Instagram is cool, but like, you know, so is actual change, actual equity. And action, and not just talking about it, but like you know, not just a, a, a random donation here and there, but like real change, real steps in you know making your making your establishment more comfortable for Black folks, and uh, you know actually putting your money where your mouth is, um, hiring Black you know artists for your labels to 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 play songs at your at your place to to market your you know your 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 things some hot farmers maybe like you know there's a lot of ways there's a lot of black people out there um and you know it, it only strengthens your brand and that's the thing you know and like you know it's it's the thing that we're saying like hey you should do this because like in in reality like it's gonna happen like we're we, we're building a table we're not like just saying hey industry can you give us a chance we're actually out here making chances. We're actually doing shit. We built this festival. Like, it wasn't like, oh, can you guys give us a chance? It was like, yo, this is some dope shit that we have a connection to do, so we're going to do it. And once we did it, people were like, oh, shit. Now that people know that it's a possibility, now that people see it, they're moving towards that. 
And if you're not, you're going to be left behind. So, you know, um, you know, I, I would like to see it. And I think that we're going to see it. And if, if other people aren't getting down on it, it's okay because we will be creating these opportunities, you know, continuing to do so. We have, we have the, we have the understanding, we have the, the ability and we have the allyship in order to do so. What's Fresh Fest going to look like this year? So for 10 bucks, you're going to get six streaming channels. Sell it. So like, yeah, I mean, you get, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be holding podcasts. Um, live forums, those are going to be all across the country. Um, we have like Garrett Oliver is going to hop in, Jay Nicole Beckham, Dr. Jay Nicole Beckham, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the doctor. um, you know, Ren Navarro, uh, we got Paul Jones from Cloudwater, Stacey uh, Aya from uh, Rock Leopard out in England. Um, but we got speakers, we got podcasts, we got DJs. Um, they're going to be mixing while live artists are in the same room, like doing live painting. So, like, that's going to be. Uh, something that we're live streaming here from Pittsburgh. We got live music. Um, we got a brewing channel. So people, you know, we're going to be live brewing um, at a small back brewery here in, in Pittsburgh while also, um, you know, showing some pre-recorded content. We got live cooking. We're going to have chefs making food. Um, and we're going to send out the recipes in advance for people to like, you know, follow uh, follow along with. Mixologists are uh, going to be streaming as well. Um, and we got live music, bands, rappers, dancers, um, all live streaming, um, you know, you know, online and, uh, you know, high quality coming, you know, through, through, uh, work hard digital. Um, so it's six channels, uh, 12 to nine, you know, 54 hours of, of, of entertainment. You got education, you got brewing, you got cooking, you got the, the art, the music, all of the things that folks love. Um, you got the, the collaboration pack with the eight brewers, eight local, eight uh, black-owned breweries. Uh, they're going to be shipped all across PA through Beverages to You. Um, the black-owned breweries are going to be shipped across the country through Tabor. Um, so, you know, you get the social aspect, you get the beer, you get the education, you get the music, the art. You know, you get you get all of the aspects, but yeah. you don't get the uh, the, the virus. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. you all, know, that's all the, of the good. important part. All of the good with no virus. I mean, that's really fucking cool. All of that sounds great, and it sounds like a great pivot to something that, you know, take taking kind of a, a shitty situation and turning it into something that's actually really cool, and, and people all over the world can now experience it. You don't have to uh, go to Pittsburgh on vacation, which I still contend is not the worst idea. It's a great city to spend a weekend in if you're there when it's not gray. And that too much period. No, no, my grandma was there, but uh, she's dead, so there's no reason to go. Oh, it is. It is, it's a, it's a dope ass city. It we is. enjoy hosting it and we will enjoy hosting it again in the future. Yeah. Um, but you know, like this, this lowers the barrier even more. You know what I mean? Like for the people that wanted to try to, you know, wanted to experience Fresh Fest, they can do it without having to buy a ticket, um, you know, across, you know, across the country or whatever. And then, like I said, it's 10 bucks. So like there's very few people that can't afford this experience. I mean, not to say that there aren't. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a digital divide, and that's a real problem. Yeah. But if, if for as much as that we can, you know, we're lowering this to like, you know, if you got 10 bucks in a library card, man. It's a dime bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. You ain't bought a dime bag in <laughs> seven years. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ain't bought a dime bag in seven years. You can go down one gradient of strand <laughs> and get the $10 not for access sure. to the craft beer industry. It's $10 for an access to a dope-ass community. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. That, that's really what it is. Yeah, that that's really cool. And uh, what it goes down August eighth as originally planned. Is that when people can access all this stuff? Yeah, no. mm, yep. August eighth, twelve to nine, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going 
been a long ass day. And you know what? Don't undersell this, but Day and I will be on this motherfucker talking all day. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we'll be hosting. We'll be hosting the uh, the event. So I ain't gonna be shit by three thirty. <laughs> yeah. Be careful <laughs> what you choose. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, I will be there virtually, um, and I look forward to it. And uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys coming on to take some time and talk with us today. Uh, it was really fun and illuminating, and a lot of spots. And I think what you're doing is really cool. And um, yeah, I just really appreciate it. I think this was great. Appreciate you, bro. Swag up. Yeah, appreciate you having us, Most definitely. And next time I come to Pittsburgh on vacation, which I will um, hopefully. There is no more COVID somehow, and we can meet up and grab a beer somewhere. Yeah, it is. Link up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, we enjoy drinking. What's your mask? Yeah, for sure. Okay, awesome. Uh, guys, thanks a lot. Have a good night. All right, just woke up. All right, All right, I want to thank everyone for listening. Big thanks to the Thrillist Pod team. Mia Fask, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld, and from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hadakudar. Big, big, big thanks to our editor and mixer, Dan Byrne. Thanks, Dan. See everyone next week. Stay strong out there. Bye.